Welcome to Destiny Spirit Church. This week's message is by our senior pastor, Donna Astern. Begin to talk to you about positioning for divine encounters. And tonight I want to talk to you about meeting with God. Last week we looked at the scriptures that said that in Revelation 5.10 that the Lord has made us kings and priests unto our God. Kings and priests, this was our heritage. We saw that this is what God's original intent was for the people of Israel, that they would be a kingdom of priests to serve unto him. And so the Lord Jesus has come and has made us to be kings and priests. And so we've heard some teaching along these lines, but a lot of times we've not really entered into that place of actively participating as priests of the Lord. And so we also looked last week at John 14, 21, where Jesus said that he who has my commandments and keeps them is one who loves me. And who loves me will be loved by my Father. I will love him and I will disclose, reveal, or manifest myself to him. Jesus has promised to reveal himself to those who love him and keep his commandments. And remember what are Jesus' commandments? Love God and love people, right? Keep those commandments and the Lord says he will manifest himself to us. And so we want to present ourselves before the Lord and expect an audience with the king and expect to have an encounter with the Lord. And so last week we also looked from Romans 6.13 about to no longer offer your members as servants of unrighteousness, but to present your members before the Lord as servants of righteousness. And we went through a prayer with that and went through some, just going through some steps of presenting our eyes, our ears, our heart, our mind, our hands, our feet, presenting ourselves to the Lord and expecting that as priests of the Lord, having an audience with the king, that we're going to be able to begin to function with our spiritual senses in a new way. And so we also saw from the scripture where Colossians instructs us to to seek the things that are above where Christ is seated and not the things on the earth. And so much of the time, you know, the pull of the world, the pull of the natural realm is so strong upon us. But the word instructs us to don't just get involved here, get involved with things going on in heaven and to not just use our senses in this realm, but to use our senses in the spirit realm and to anticipate an encounter with the Lord. Do you know that God intended that we would live in his glory? He intended that's how we would live. How many of you remember reading from Romans 3 where it says, For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory. Right? See, the, the thing was, Adam and Eve were living in a place of the glory of the presence of the Lord. And when they sinned, they fell short. So they no longer were in that place. And I think that I've read that, year, that verse for years and years, and it never dawned on me that we were supposed to live in that place of glory and quit falling short. Let's quit falling short. Let's get there. That sounds like a good plan. You know, the priests are not supposed to fall short. They're supposed to get in there. Remember from the tabernacle of Moses, when the high priest went in once a year, he goes in there into the very presence of God. You've got incense, you've got power, you've got all kinds of things going on. And so Jesus is our high priest. He's opened the way for us. It's time for us to step up as priests of the Lord and to enter into his glory. Hallelujah. Let's turn over to Psalm 63. I always find it interesting the way that the worship goes and the way that the words from the Lord go and things like that because we've it's always an encouragement to me to find out that we're on the same page, you know? We're hearing stuff, you know? Come on, you ever been in service and thinking, well, I ain't getting anything at all like that. I don't know what's going on. Either I missed it or they missed it or something. So I really like it. 
And prophetic people like it when we have confirmation with one another. Hallelujah. And so uh, Psalm 63, verse 1. Oh God, you are my God. I shall seek you earnestly. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh yearns for you in a dry and weary land where there is no water. Thus, I have seen you in the sanctuary. Can you say that? I have seen you in the sanctuary, yeah, to see your power and your glory. Because your loving kindness is better than life, my lips will praise you. So I will bless you as long as I live. I will lift up my hands in your name. My soul is satisfied as with marrow and fatness, and my mouth offers praises with joyful lips. You know, the Lord is our desire. It's not the things of the kingdom. It's Him. He's the heart's desire. And it says, he says, here the psalmist says, my soul is thirsty for you. I have a desire on the inside. My soul wants an encounter with the living God. He goes so far to say, it's not just my soul, but my very physical body wants an encounter with the glory of God. All right. Y'all, let's get addicted to the presence of God to where I gotta have it. I'm gonna crave it. Y'all know what it is to be addicted to some things, right? <laughs> Been there, done that. Maybe still got a caffeine addiction or something going on. But, you know, how do you feel when you don't get it? I got to have it. I got to have it. He says, my very body is addicted to the presence of God. God, get us all addicted to your presence. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. In Psalm 37, it says, rest in the Lord and wait patiently for him. You know, when we have that longing to have an encounter with the Lord, to be satisfied with his presence, you know, there is a, there is a place of waiting on the Lord. Isaiah eight seventeen says, I will wait for the Lord who is hiding his face from the house of Jacob. I will even look eagerly for him. Now, the thing is that this word wait... This word wait does not mean, as um, Pastor um, Bill Johnson said, it does not mean that you're laying back in the easy chair just waiting to see if God wants to drop something on you. That's not waiting. That's being passive. You know, the God has never told us to be passive. He wants us to be actively engaged in pursuing Him. This word wait means to lie in wait. Now think about that. You got, you know, some guy is lying in wait because he knows that there's an expected party going to pass. So he's lying in wait. Now think about that. If, if a thief, let's just say, you know, Proverbs, it reminds me of that. Proverbs talks about that, those who lie in wait. Say that a thief was wanting to rob some passerby. What's he going to do? Is he's going to hide and position himself and wait, right? Wait for the right time. Is he waiting, sitting back in the easy chair just to see if maybe something's going to happen? Oh, there goes a passerby. Oh, look at there. That's not the kind of waiting. This kind of waiting is, I am going to wait because I'm going to ambush you. <laughs> this is waiting, waiting for the Lord because when he shows up, he and I are going to join together and have an encounter. This is not if God wants to drop it on me, maybe. It's like, no, I am going to actively lie in wait so that I may ambush God. Isn't that good? <laughs> Isn't that good? 
Y'all remember reading about an ambush in the Bible one time? Remember Jacob? Jacob got ambushed. Remember he was out there the night before he's supposed to meet his, his brother Esau. And you know that Jacob was shaking in his boots because Esau was ready to kill him. And so um, he's, you know, got all of his stuff and he's like, oh, I'm going to have to meet my brother. You know, let's send the flocks out there. Let's send the, everybody out there. And, and then what happens is it says the angel of the Lord uh, it says a man met him and wrestled with him all night long. I saw this in a movie one time. It was hilarious. He was out there just minding his own business. He was upset and praying and pacing. And somebody just jumped out of the bushes and just knocked him over and started wrestling to the ground. It was a great visual, you know, and, and wrestled him and kept him all night long. You know, and then Jacob said, I will not let you go until you bless me, until you bless me. Folks, this is the attitude that we ought to take as well. I'm going to lie in wait, I'm going to ambush God, and I'm not letting go till he blesses me. I like this. You like this? Let's get rid of all the passivity. You know, way too much passivity in the church, in my opinion. So, a person who lies in wait is anticipating expecting that something is about to happen, waiting for an event to happen, correct? Otherwise, you wouldn't be there, right? Okay, there is a sense of watchfulness, watching, looking. If you're looking and expecting something to happen, your focused attention is, your attention is very focused, and you don't look away, and you don't walk into the other room to go see what's on TV, you know, right? There is a focused attention because you don't want to miss it when it might happen. Do you know that the people, after Jesus had, um, right before he ascended to heaven, he told a crowd of people, he said, wait, right, for the promise of my Father. Tells 500 people to wait. Well, most of them got tired of waiting and went home. Or maybe they said, I'm going to go home, I'll come back later, y'all let me know if something happens, you know. Well, you know what, if you went home, you missed it, Right. 120 people had a powerful encounter with the Spirit of God because they determined to wait until God showed up and did something, right? There was an anticipation, you know, and as the day of Pentecost was getting closer and closer, you know, and they were getting, they were in, involved in prayer and ministering to the Lord. Do you know, I bet, but by this, this time, nobody wants to even go out for coffee or anything. Let's don't leave because we might miss something. Hallelujah. Wouldn't it have been terrible if you had just stepped out of the room for just a little bit and came back in and, my goodness, what's happening? Tongues of fire, speaking in tongues, all kinds of commotions going on because somebody decided to lie and wait until God came and then grab a hold of him. You know, and the thing is, see, God likes to be ambushed. He likes to be ambushed. He says, seek my face, doesn't he? He says, come after me, doesn't he? Even Jesus said, come follow me. I mean, the invitation is, come on, come on, come on. I'm telling you, folks, the Lord would not have told us to do those things if he didn't want us to do it. Amen? All right. So, I will wait for the Lord. I will wait patiently for him. I will learn to sense his presence. You know, we have to learn to sense the presence of the Lord. And so... 
You know, when we are brand new to spiritual things, we don't know. We don't know what we're doing. Well, let's face it, you never know what you're doing all the way anyhow. But <laughs> you don't. If you think you know everything you're doing, you're in spiritual pride and you're wrong anyhow. So, because God's God of mystery and he knows a whole lot more than any of us. So, but there is, there is this thing of when we are learning his presence, you know, it's probably too hard for you to remember, but when you were first began to sense the presence of the Lord, you know, you're, you notice something different and then you're like, what was that? I like that. What was that? And sometimes it's been because we have been in a setting and maybe you had one of those days or one of those weeks and you go into the meeting and people are starting to worship the Lord and some folks are really getting into it. And you're just like, I am just not there. How many of you ever been there? I mean, I don't know what they're doing. I got nothing. And do you know? But when we sense, what you can do is learn to practice his presence. And when you sense, well, God's all over Sharon. That means he must be here, <laughs> right? So I'm going to learn from her experience. God's here. There are times I've gone into a meeting feeling just like that, just as dry as dead, nothing going on, and to get in a room where some people are beginning to connect with God. I'm able to, to, to ride in on them, ride in on their influence, and just say, God, I want to begin to lift up my hands, and that corporate worship begins to bring me in, and I begin to learn to recognize the signs of the presence of God, right? We learn to practice, and we learn to, as as men and women of faith, we learn to just stir ourselves up and praise him because he's worthy. And then we begin to learn to, oh, there is the anointing. Oh, there's the presence of the Lord, right? And we learn to pick it up and we learn to be a catalyst for other people in the room as well. But as we're learning to, as we are lying and wait for the Lord, we want to learn to recognize when he starts moving, when he's starting to do something. And sometimes, you know, we just had these distractions and we just don't get it. But if somebody is connecting with God, that means I can too. Because he's beginning to move in our midst, right? Do you know that, that you can have a powerful move of God in a group of people and some people really get touched and blessed and other people are like, eh, let's go home. What's for dinner? They're just not interested, right? There was a time when Jacob was had his encounter with the Lord. Remember, he had that dream, Jacob's ladder. The angels were going up and down the ladder. When he woke up from his dream, he said, I did not know God was here. I didn't know God was in this place, but God obviously is, so now I want to you know, build an altar and all this stuff. Do you know that there are times we haven't picked up, we haven't discerned the presence of the Lord. It doesn't mean he's not there. It just means that, you know, whatever, we were asleep, we didn't get it. We didn't know that he was there. Let's begin to turn our attention and learn to discern the presence of the Lord. Amen? Amen. All right. We want to position ourselves to enter into his presence. If I have put myself in a position to where I'm going to begin to put my attention upon the Lord, begin to worship him, begin to think about him, begin to meditate upon his attributes and meditate upon the scriptures, put my attention and my focus upon him because, and watch for him to move because he's coming. 
watching for him. I'm lying in wait. I'm waiting for him. And if I sense, hear, see, whatever, that he's moving on other people, I want to watch and recognize I'm going to be next. I'm going to have an encounter because I'm going to, when I begin to sense the Lord is moving, I'm going to latch hold and I will not let him go until he blesses me. When I can sense that other people, I can see them, hear them, they're connecting with God, I can believe by faith. God, you are here. You are already starting to move in this room. You're already moving. God, I'm going to put myself in that position. I'm next. I'm going to have an encounter with a living God. Hallelujah. And when we do sense the Lord's presence, and when we do enter that, when you begin to discern, here's the Spirit of God. I sense Him coming. I sense His love. I sense His presence. Understand, when we sense Him, that's His invitation. Come. That's His invitation. When we sense Him. Because, see, God is wanting to have communion with us. So, Sensing his presence is not the ambush. Sensing his presence is just, oh, there he is. Then it's the heart that's going to ambush. It's the heart that's going to take action. And that means that if I sense his presence, then I'm going to push myself into that presence. I'm going to begin to worship him. I'm going to open my heart. I'm going to open my ears. I'm going to open my eyes. And I'm going to anticipate that we're going to have us an encounter here because God showing up means he has graced me with his presence and extended the scepter, and that means come here. Hallelujah. Guys, how many times have we not done that? We sensed the Lord's presence, and we thought that was enough. And we sing songs like, do not pass me by. Ambush him so he don't. <laughs> Ain't passing me by, Right? I mean, we sang songs like, at least I did when I was a kid. We sang songs, you know, while you're, you know, other people you're dealing with, whatever, do not pass me by. Do you know, it's like when Jesus was walking on the water, he was going to pass by the disciples, wasn't he? He was headed somewhere else. It's because of their desire for him that he turned aside to them, right? They're the ones that got him, pulled and got him in the boat. So it's like, God, I don't know where else you're going to go, but when I sense you're passing by, you come in here. We're coming home with me. You're going to have an encounter with me because I need you. I need you desperately. Amen. Amen. I tell you what. Oh, folks. Go ahead and say it. I'm just saying. We are... We are Positioning ourselves, we're light, we're getting ourselves into a place to where we're going to have encounters with the Lord that are going to change us forever, and we will not ever, ever be the same. When Jacob got through with the wrestling match he had, he was forever changed. He had a he walked with a limp, right? It cost him something to do that wrestling but he walked away from there and even the way he walked here metaphorically the way he walked everybody knew he had an encounter with God I want to have encounters with God that when we leave out of out of your prayer closet you leave out of here wherever you go that people say you walk different there's something different your lifestyle has adjusted there's a different attitude there's something new because you have changed 
We were singing the song tonight. I almost used the scripture tonight from Isaiah, Rise, shine, for your light has come. And I thought, how interesting the same scriptures are popping up. Okay. When did Moses' face glow? When he'd been with the Lord, right? When he'd been with the Lord. People could tell there was a physical representation of the light of the Lord on his face because he'd spent time with God. Do you know what? I believe it's time to reclaim all those things. The Bible says, I've got a verse in here somewhere since I'm all over my notes now. Um, 2 Corinthians 3, 17 and 18. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. But we all, with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as from the Lord the Spirit. Hallelujah. The Bible tells us that we are not to grieve the Holy Spirit and we're not to quench the Holy Spirit. To grieve the Holy Spirit means to do something wrong. To quench the Holy Spirit is to prevent Him from doing something right. When He prompts you to give the offering and you just won't, that's grieving. That's quenching. That's quenching to the Holy Spirit. When we struggle to give a prophecy, but we just, ah, you're quenching the flow of the Spirit. When we fuss and fight and scream, we grieve the Holy Spirit. You see, God is wanting to bring us into these encounters, have some genuine life-changing meetings with God. And when we get there, when we're in that place, we want to learn to flow with what the Spirit of God is doing at that moment so that we do not grieve or quench the Spirit of God. You know, when we have an encounter with the Lord, it's like, okay, I've got a hold of you. Now, what do you want? You know, he's going to wrestle with us. Maybe he wants to touch some places in us. And we don't want to shy away from that. We don't want to turn away. We don't want to quench what he's doing. We want to embrace that and press in to whatever he's saying and doing. And suppose he's, he's wanting to inspire you to lay hands upon somebody or give a prophecy or he's wanting to show you a vision or something. Then we want to not shy away from any of that but say, let's just be bold and dangerous and just go for it. Let's just go for it. You know, Let's get out there in some risky areas and just have a couple of adventures with God. You know, the name of John G. Lake's book was, I think, Adventures, Adventures with God. And he had a few, I tell you. Let's turn over to Isaiah 40. We also heard, heard this scripture tonight in worship. Isaiah 40. We're going to start at verse 27. Well, I'll not let you go until you bless me. Isaiah 40, 27. Why do you say, O Jacob, and assert, O Israel, my way is hidden from the Lord, and the justice due me escapes the notice of my God? You know, sometimes people just feel like, God, you forget about me? You don't care about my troubles? You don't care about my difficult situation? Are you seeing here? Are you paying attention? God, I'm hurting, I'm in pain. And so God notices all that, but he's saying, you guys are saying in your hearts, God don't know where I'm at, he doesn't know what I'm doing, and he's not coming through and giving me justice. Verse 28, do you not know, have you not heard, the everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, does not become weary or tired. 
His understanding is inscrutable. He gives strength to the weary, and to him who lacks might, he increases power. Though youths grow weary and tired, and vigorous young men stumble badly, yet those who wait, lie in wait as to ambush for the Lord, will gain new strength. They will mount up with wings like eagles. They will run and not get tired. They will walk and not become weary. The picture here is of the eagle waiting for the updraft. An eagle gets out there, and the eagle, the picture is not an eagle frantically flapping his wings and trying to catch the flow of the spirit, the flow of the wind. What the eagle does is he positions himself. He's, he's on the edge of the cliff, and he lifts his wings so that they'll catch the, the wind that's coming. He's just there waiting to catch it. You know, just like surfers, they wait to catch the wave. They're just waiting to catch it. And it's that position of waiting, because as soon as he anticipates, as soon as he can tell that that current is there, what's he going to do? He's not going to just sit there, right? He's going to throw himself into it when he anticipates. So when the same type of waiting, when you anticipate and you can tell the Spirit of God is beginning to move, then you jump, you throw yourself into it. And let him lift you up and carry you. Because see, that's how the eagle gets so high. You know, they fly higher than any other bird, right? How they get so high is because they allow the current to take them. See, there are some places that you and I are trying to get by striving. That we're not going to get there that way. We're going to get there by by the Spirit of the Lord lifting us as we wait for him. You know that in the... In the Old Testament, the priests were not aware, were not allowed to wear heavy clothing because God did not want any sweat. He didn't want any sweat. He didn't want any human striving and human labor entering into the place of worship. He wanted it to be light, you know? And it's the same thing. We strive and we work and we labor to enter into rest, Hebrews says, right? So the eagle has grown. He's grown massive wings and feathers and all of that stuff. And he has exercised himself from a baby eaglet to the point to where now he is ready to come up higher. And his strength, the strength of his wings is what keeps him aloft, right? The strength of your history with God, the strength of your foundation of the Word of God, the things you have learned about the Spirit, this is what's going to propel you into the next level of God. This is why you need to be a student of the scriptures. Amen. But also a student of the anointing. Amen. Because I want to be able to recognize what new thing he's doing so I can get in there and go for it. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Sound a little risky? It might be a little risky. It could be a little bit. But you know what? I bet it's exhilarating to fly that high. Y'all ever have dreams about flying? Yeah, yeah. Dreams about flying are metaphorical ways of speaking about ascending in things of the Spirit. Let's turn to 2 Kings chapter 2. 2 Kings 2. As we were waiting on the Lord, you know, sometimes you've got to wait a while. I don't know how long eagles wait, but they wait and wait and wait until the current shows up. Sometimes when we wait upon the Lord, that's, it's going to take a little bit of time. That's why the scripture says to wait patiently for the Lord. To wait knowing that he's going to come. He's going to lift us up. 
sometimes in that place of waiting, the challenge is staying focused. It's staying focused. You know, it's, it would be the same thing if the, um, the thief were to get tired of waiting for the passerby, and so he looked away and just missed his opportunity. Same type of thing. We don't want to miss our opportunities, so we want to stay focused. And sometimes the challenge is to stay focused over a period of time. So if while you're waiting for the Lord, this is a good thing that you need to understand. If while you're waiting for the Lord, your attention wanders, don't rebuke yourself and be hard on yourself because you'll disturb your peace. Don't do that. Instead, just notice it and go, oh, and just come right back. That's all you do. And sometimes you have to train yourself to pay attention to the Lord, right? That's a very, that's a very old rule of thumb, and that will help you. Because I've talked to people that get so discouraged, I can't do this. I, you know, my mind wanders, I'm thinking about this and that. Look, keep you a pen and a paper, write down everything you think you got to do. How many of you know the devil comes to give you a list of things you got to do besides wait on God right now? <laughs> you need to feed the cat, take out the garbage, and start the laundry. Just make yourself a little list. That way it's off your mind, and you'll get it when you're done, right? Make yourself a list, okay? And when you notice your attention wanders, just pull it back. I am going to wait in anticipation for his presence. All right. 2 Kings chapter 2, verse 1. It came about when the Lord was about to take up Elijah by a whirlwind to heaven that Elijah went with Elisha from Gilgal. Elijah said to Elisha, Stay here, please, for the Lord has sent me as far as Bethel. But Elisha said, As the Lord lives and as you yourself live, I will not leave you. Now see, that's the attitude that you and I are going to have. I ain't going nowhere. I will not leave. I will not leave. So they went down to Bethel. Okay, verse 3. Then the sons of the prophets who were at Bethel came out to Elisha and said to him, Do you know that the Lord will take away your master from over you today? And he says, Yes, I know. Be still. Elijah said to him, Elisha, please stay here, for the Lord has sent me to Jericho. But he said, As the Lord lives, and as you yourself live, I will not leave you. So they came to Jericho. The sons of the prophets who were at Jericho approached Elisha and said to him, Do you know that the Lord will take away your master from over you today? And he said, Yes, I know. Be still. Then Elijah said to him, Please stay here, for the Lord has sent me to the Jordan. And he says, As the Lord lives, and as you yourself live, I will not leave you. So the two of them went on. Now fifty men of the sons of the prophets went out and stood opposite them at a distance, while the two of them stood by the Jordan. Elijah took up his mantle and folded it together and struck the waters, and they were divided here and there, so that the two of them crossed over on dry ground. That would be a good miracle to watch, right? You see, if he'd stay behind Jericho, he'd miss that one. You know what, folks? It's good to show up and keep your eyes open and see what's happening, because otherwise you can miss some good stuff. Okay. <laughs> That's why I always like to sit in the front. I like to see stuff going on. You know, you watch and pray. and Sometimes I've told worshipers, open your eyes. You're missing what God is doing. Look, God's doing tremendous things here. You can worship with your eyes open sometimes, right? Okay, verse 9. When they had crossed over, Elijah said to Elisha, Ask what I shall do for you before I am taken from you. And Elijah said, Please, let a double portion of your spirit be upon me. 
He said, you've asked a hard thing. Nevertheless, if you see me when I'm taken from you, it shall be so for you. But if not, it shall not be so. Now, this guy, Elisha, is so determined. He's not missing. He says, I'm not leaving you. I am staying with you. I am on you like glue. I'm here. I'm with you. And he just sees the miracle. And so now, I mean, his, his leaders tried to get him to quit three times. You know, sometimes that's just a test, just to see where your heart is, if you'll stick it out or not. So then he says, if you can see me when I'm taken, then you can have the thing that you want. If you can see me. Well, they're standing right there together. He can see him. But what's the challenge? Can you keep focused? Can you keep focused? Now look at what happens next. As they were going along and talking, behold, there appeared a chariot of fire and horses of fire which separated the two of them. And Elijah went up by a whirlwind to heaven. Elisha saw it and cried out, My father, my father, the chariots of Israel and its horsemen. And he saw Elijah no more. Then he took hold of his own clothes and tore them into two pieces. He also took up the mantle of Elijah that fell from him and returned and stood by the bank of the Jordan. He took the mantle of Elijah that fell from him and struck the waters and said, Where is the Lord, the God of Elijah? And when he had also struck the waters, they were divided here and there, and Elisha crossed over. This is a powerful story. And no doubt we have been very familiar with this. But there's, there's an insight that I got here from Pastor Bill Johnson that I want to share with you that I had not seen before. Elijah tells him, if you see me when I'm taken, you're going to get the double anointing that you asked for, the double portion. So they're walking and talking. Here comes the chariot, and here comes the fiery horses. How many of you know you don't see that every day of the week? <laughs> that was a distraction to see if he would stop looking. Because what happens? The distraction came right when. when did, how, did Elijah, how did Elijah get to heaven? Not in the chariots. In the whirlwind. The chariots was a heavenly distraction to see if he would watch him go off in the whirlwind. Is that powerful? Yes. Credit Bill Johnson to that one. I thought that was phenomenal. So many people have thought, well, Elijah went up in the chariots. No, he didn't. And the chariots were a God thing. What is the thing? It's not getting focus off of where the focus is supposed to remain. When you and I are waiting patiently for the Lord, there may be some dramatic, powerful things that may start happening. Who's your eyes supposed to be on? The Lord. This is where some people get sidetracked. They get into... They, they experience visions. They have tremendous manifestations and things happening. And next thing you know, all everybody wants to talk about is the thing that God did. But they don't talk about the Lord. The focus got off. And so people began seeking after signs and wonders instead of seeking after the Lord. Right? It's a subtle thing. Because see, the chariot and the horses, that was a God thing. Isn't that something? Do you know that you can... God can show you something, and the thing can still become an idol in your heart. What happened with the, what happened with the, um, the brazen serpent? 
That was God's instructions. Put the brazen serpent up on the pole. The people who look at it will be healed. That's what God told Moses, right? Within a short period of time, what happens? They're worshiping the stupid serpent, right? And so they had to have a thing torn down. John, the beloved, goes into the third heaven, has an encounter. I mean, he is seeing angels. He's got visions of the lion, the lamb, the whole thing. He's so blown away. An angel talks to him. And what does John do? Falls down to worship him. And the angel has to say, don't do that. Worship Jesus. Don't do that. You see, in the midst of having powerful encounters with the heavenly realm, we've got to keep our focus upon the Lord. We can't get sidetracked. These other things are glorious. These other things are wonderful. But the whole thing is, he is the desire. It's not the things. We want the things because they come with him. <laughs> you know, but, we're, but our heart is for him. It's for his presence. He's the desire of all nations, right? No matter what manifestations happen, the Bible says that Jesus is our example. In Hebrews 12, it says that we are to fix our eyes upon Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, right? Jesus was able to endure the suffering of the cross because he kept his eyes focused on the joy. How in the, there's no way he could have gone through the cross otherwise, right? He not only was crucified, but he had the weight of the world's sins upon him. And the rejections, you know, God turned his, his face from him. You know, this was, this was a, a, an enormous event that it says the only way he got through was by staying focused. Haven't we read even about how Jesus had his face set as a flint? You know, that means he is focused, he is determined, he knows where he's going, he's not going to be distracted, not going to be dissuaded. Folks, when you and I have determined, I'm going to meet with God today, it's like, I'm not going to allow distractions, I'm going to have an encounter with him. And if we wind up with all kinds of physical manifestations of things, glory, hallelujah, but he is the prize. He is the one that we're after. Amen? Amen. And we're serving as priests of the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You know, Jesus told the disciples, Unto now you've asked for nothing in my name. Ask and you'll receive that your joy may be full. You know, we're singing, we're talking tonight about, we want more of you, Lord. We want more of you, Lord. You know, God wants to give us more. He wants to give us more. God wants... God wants to blow us away with his presence. Do you know that often when you read in the scriptures, you read about the wonderful signs and wonders, the wonderful healings and things that, that were done, and it says, and the crowd glorified the Lord. They glorified the Lord. It's when we see these things, what does that bring a response from us? Oh, glory to God. Praise the Lord. It causes praise and worship and thanksgiving to erupt to the Lord. Hallelujah. Because it glorifies the giver. It glorifies the deliverer. It glorifies the healer. Hallelujah. All right. We're going to have a meeting with God now. So I'd like for you to put your books away. And Jim, would you turn the music on, please?
Will you raise the volume a little bit, please? Thank you. All right, this is what we're going to do. I'd like you to focus upon the Lord and position yourself to enter into His presence. Remember, we're going to learn to recognize the signs of His presence. If other people are connected and you're not, just acknowledge that He's there and believe because other people are connecting. When you do enter into His presence, realize it's an invitation to know Him. He's inviting us to know Him. And our attitude is, I will not let you go until you bless me. I want to know you. Let's pray and let's offer our members. Would you pray this with me? I turn away from sin and do not let it rain in me. I no longer offer my members as instruments of unrighteousness. I am dead to immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and greed. I put aside anger, wrath, malice, slander, and abusive speech from my mouth. I put aside lying, judgment, and the pointing of the finger. I bear with and forgive others just as you, Lord, have forgiven me. And so, Lord, I offer my members to you. I offer you my eyes to see what you're doing, to see from your perspective, to behold your beauty, Open the eyes of my spirit to see. And to focus on you. Rather than the things of this world. Lord, I offer you my ears. That I might clearly hear your voice. To filter out the noise of the world. Give me discerning ears. Lord, I offer you my mouth. That my mouth would speak your words. That my tongue would be an instrument of righteousness. Lord, I offer you my nose. To smell your sweet fragrance. And not the stench of this world. Lord, I give you my hands. To serve you. To reach out to those in need. To lay hands upon the sick. Lord, I give you my feet to walk in your ways, to go where you want me to go, and to follow you. Lord, I give you my heart. You said, blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. I give you my broken, wounded, hurting heart. I give you my heart of stone. And ask you to take hardness away. Give me a heart of compassion. A pure and undivided heart. And a heart for the lost. A heart for the needy. I want to experience your heart. And I give you my heart. I give you my mind. 
I set my mind on you and the things of your kingdom. I want the mind of Christ operating in me. I want a renewed mind to think like you do. Lord, I give you my whole person. My spirit, my soul, my body. I will not let you go until you bless me. I want to know you. your spirit, Lord God. Lord, pour out your spirit. We may prophesy and dream dreams and see visions, Lord. Thank you, Lord God, for your presence. Thank you for your comfort and the touches of your love. Lord, I ask that we would ambush you all the time. Stir our hearts, Lord God, to pursue you and to know you. That we're not people who've heard about you, but people who know you. rising up as eagles and being strengthened by your presence, Lord God. Thank you, Lord God, for breathing fresh strength and fresh life into us tonight and lifting heavy burdens. Thank you for joining us. For more information about Destiny Spirit Church or additional teaching CDs or training events, please visit our website at www.destinyspirit.com or you can write to us at Destiny Spirit Church, P.O. Box 15252, Chesapeake, Virginia 23328. Thank you.